afternoon, and as promised, we've got Is a it? guest in the studio. Tando Hopa. How do you pronounce your surname? Hopa. Hopa. Oh, but yes, it's closer. Oh, it's closer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. <laughs> so are you from the Western or Eastern Cape? I'm from Johannesburg. I'm one of those. Oh, we're born in Johannesburg. Yes. Yeah, okay. The ones who are called, we, they say we have no home. Mm. I'm a guy and you're like, Johannesburg. Like, Johannesburg is nobody's home. And you're like, well, it's mine. But you're Sotho. I mean, you just said one word in Sotho and you suddenly sound Sotho. You know what, mm. Johannesburg, that's, that, that's what it does to you. But also, so she was very Sotho speaking. Ah. And this is the product, yes. Ah, where about in Johannesburg? <laughs> um, I grew up in Laneja, South. Oh, go Lens. Yes. So posh, Lens. I know, I mean, you know, growing up in Pimville. Uh, once in a while, I'd go to the movies called Lens. Once mm. in a while, we used to buy groceries uh, in that part of the world mm-hmm. in Lens. And uh, back in the days when I wanted to be on radio, there was a radio conference in Lens. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. And then, um, so, Kosasau. How good is your cousin? <laughs> it's so easy it's to say your cousin. <laughs> 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 and you know my cousin, but I'm going to go and go and go and go and that time you can't even we speak his cousin. <laughs> we love to claim ours as our own, yes. Not, not even a little bit of it. There's, 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 you know what? I'm Kosa by heritage. Okay. Mm. And listen, it's enough, girl. We, it's we, enough. We will still claim you, girl. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Tando, briefly tell us about your live journey that has seen you uh, here in our studios today. Shoo! <laughs> How do I compress that journey? Just compress it. Um, okay, so I grew up in Laneja South, and I grew up with uh, my father uh, was an engineer, my mother filmmaker, and I grew up in a very pigmented society. Okay. So we were multicultural. It was, you know, the black community, the Indian community, mixed race community. Um, and I grew up looking very different from everybody around me, including my parents. Mm. Um, and I think I never really understood that I looked different up until I was four or five years old. Um, because, I mean, all that time, your color doesn't have any social significance. You're just mm. a child. Okay. And I went to school and everybody um, kind of... Stared. N- not just stared. Mm. Okay, but my first day of school was a little bit dramatic because my mother didn't get me school uniform for the day. Mm. She told me, or she put me in a blue polka dot dress because school uniform going to go in a little blue. Mm. And she said, okay, you know what? I'm going to buy you a uniform. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, today. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. So when I went to school, I got to class. I sat down and some person child person said um, don't sit next to her and then these kids move away How? and I thought okay so I thought at this point that oh it is the dress it must be the polka dot dress that's the problem so mm. I went to my mother demanding school uniform because I thought that the reason why they were treating me so strangely is because I was the only one who not was wearing, wearing school uniform. a polka dot dress mm. exactly um, so I think it 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 started manifesting a lot in my life, but I came from like an awesome family. I came from like like a household of, of matriarchs who, you know, my grandmother used to sing to me and teach me oral stories and all of that. 
Um, but then, and my father was like, is an incredible force in my life. So I, I come from a very supportive background, but it didn't stop self-esteem from hitting when I had endured enough of mm. society. And anyway, long story short, I go, I study an LLB degree because my father, well, I wanted to act. <laughs> I actually wanted to act, I wanted to be an actress. And my father was like, <laughs> in like, in which world? Act you for know? what? Mm. He said, no, you're going to uh, do accounting. And I wanted to act. So we settled on law as a compromise for both of us. And so I went and I studied an LLB degree. And then as I studied an LLB, I think the the, the community-centered law of, like, part of me started growing because I started doing street law and started, you know, teaching communities about the law. And then that's when I decided to be a prosecutor and work for the National Prosecuting Authority. And then, shoo, this is such a long story. <laughs> <laughs> We're enjoying it. Continue. Um and then I got scouted by Khar Johan um, who was a fashion designer. Well, he still is a fashion designer. Mm, yeah, this, I think he's done some <laughs> stuff for Bonang, etc., etc. Yes, et yes, yes, yes. Um, and he asked me to do a shoot with him. I think he was about the third person who approached me. Now, at this point in time, I'm an aspirant prosecutor. I have just started my career. And this man is asking me to take Where a Where did you bump into, into her? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go and so he wanted me to do a shoot I was reluctant obviously because he just approached you Cresta and he just, just said he's just like oh hi sorry and he's like I'm not a creepy guy or anything mm. <laughs> and he's like could you please do a shoot with me and I took his I took his card I even lost the card because mm. I didn't I mean I didn't care did yeah. you even know who it was? I didn't was. even know who he was. Mm. Mm. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, just model. You know, I just was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm a lawyer. I'm a full-time lawyer. <laughs> and and I went to my sister and I said, and I laughed. I was like, I said, you know, this man just comes and he says, oh, he wants to do a shoot, etc. And she said to me, she's like, you know, I actually don't understand why you think this is so ridiculous. Mm. Because this is an opportunity for you to change perceptions about albinism. But we honestly thought it was going to be like one thing. And then I go back to my normal life, mm. you know. <laughs> and it didn't happen that way. Instead, everything grew from that and became quite a miraculous journey. But aren't you glad that you did get that chance encounter? Um, aren't you happy for the platform to speak about albinism to South Africa and the world? Do you know, Nako Kekala, I went to Khart and I remember I sat him down and I said to him, you know, I want to represent albinism in a positive way. Mm. So I came with like loaded stuff. You know, it wasn't just a neutral exchange where I was going to do a shoot. But one thing this journey taught me is the oversimplification of that statement. Mm. Because when you're talking about representation, when I went into the media world, I understood that representation was highly multifaceted and highly loaded mm. because I had to consider the representation in terms of gender, in terms of being African, in terms of being black, in terms of having albinism. And it was far more of an educational journey for me and my growth in representation and inclusion that I don't feel I could have gotten in another environment. Mm. Mm. Tell us about and your Powerful. career. Your career as a, as a as a prosecutor is it on hold? You so know, I 
decided to take a sabbatical in 2016. Was that happy? Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sabbatical. Uh, yeah. Sabbatical. I leave. What a brain. Uh-uh. <laughs> 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 sabbatical. Sabbatical. <laughs> what did dad say about the sabbatical? My father was very happy about me leaving prosecuting because he thought that I mean, I was the youngest prosecutor when I started in the district court. I got into the regional court. I was the youngest prosecutor still. And my father felt like it was such a loaded environment that he just was like, do corporate law, babes. You know, he was like, well, maybe go do, you know, go negotiate contracts, do mergers and acquisitions. You know, don't be in spaces where you are dealing with the rape of a five-year-old child. Mm. And so when I said, okay, you know, I'm going to leave prosecuting, he felt very relieved. And at that time, he's the one who pushed you in this direction, no, almost, because he, he wanted you to be, okay. So I thought you said, I he thought, just no, didn't no. want it to act. So he just wanted you to be a lawyer. He wanted me, he was happy with law, okay. but then he wanted me to go into corporate oh, law. Oh, okay. So when I went into community-centered law, he was like, but now, well, mm. what's happening, you know? <laughs> he was, he really wanted me to be a corporate lawyer. So, um, so when I left and I said, I'm taking a sabbatical, he thought this is the chance for her to actually go into corporate law. And lo and behold, I again went my own way. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 Tando, you, you know, there's a lot of ignorance around albinism, mm. you know, and um, in South Africa. Mm. Do you feel that we are beginning to have some kind of a better understanding and people are starting to break, um, you know, certain beliefs about al- albinism? Hmm. Sure. You know, it's not an easy question to answer because you have to look at it on a context-by-context basis. Mm. It depends where you are, in which spaces you're in. It depends whether you are in a rural or urban area. It depends even in the media environment. It just depends where you are and context is everything. But I do think that we are getting to a point where awareness is... It's becoming so bold and you've had different components of society trying to create awareness. You've Mm -hmm. had the civil society coming in. You've had laws. You've had, you know, media. I think because we're all working together at one time, there is progress um, from the time when I began. I mean, I even started, I remember even when I went into my media career, um, I think it even within a year after being in the media space from 2012 to 2013, I would still have South African news headlines refer to me as albino model, mm. not Tando Hopper. Mm. So now it's Tando Hopper. And it took about five years for me to just be that. Mm. Um, so I think in terms of prejudice, it's multifaceted. Some of it is unconscious. Some of it is conscious. Um, and in terms of belief systems, I do think that there is there is a bit of progress, but it's also, as I said, contextual. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And I see that uh, you're the only South African on the BBC's list of 100 women for 2018. <laughs> Does not matter. Does not matter. Sexism out of the window. Um, how was that a question? Yes, <laughs> it's a statement and a question, and um, we expect a response. 
Well, okay. So being on the BBC Top 100, I don't really know what to say about that. I mean, did you, did you get a call? Did you get an email? Were yes. you notified by your agency? Yes. So what had happened is actually I had been independent by then. I've actually been independent for most of my career. I had a publicist, but I never really had an agency, um, okay. which is also quite an unconventional way of doing things. Which I think is cool. I like it. Thank you. I like it. Um, but in terms of the BBC, I honestly did not realize how much opportunity it would bring to be on something like that. Um, I appreciate all the time being in platforms or mediums of influence because it always makes your voice much louder, mm. you know. But I don't think it ever <coughs> validates your work. I don't think it validates who you are. You shouldn't wait for those platforms to recognize you before thinking that you're doing something significant and important. Um, but I just, I was, I was humbled by the fact that they wanted to put me in their list and I was... That it was quite cool. Before we wrap up, I want to ask about the Vogue cover girl. <laughs> like, that was a big deal for everyone, okay? How did that come about? So they sent me an email. They sent me and my manager an email. And my mother thought I was going to be trafficked because <laughs> <laughs> nobody believed it. <laughs> they were like, yo, but I was like, okay, town. But do you know they promised models this mm. and that? And, yeah. gonna, and um, when I came back, not trafficked. Um, I I kind of started understanding the significance. I mean, I did understand it at that time, but when it actually, when I was done, I was like, my goodness, I have actually never seen a woman who has albinism on this cover. Never. Ever, 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 ever across races, mm. you know? Um, and I think the weight of that impact and also just being represented in a way where I could... I could account for, mm. you know, that I could actually say, this is how I wanted to look. I want to keep my hair natural. I want to keep my eyebrows pale and my eyelashes pale. These are small, mundane things that have a significant impact on representation. And for for me to get those terms as mine and to also bring my mother's earrings, the mazulu and all of that, and to have that photographed, um, it's like I was trying to bring as many people with me. Yeah. Mm. On the cover, yeah. you know, is in my course, yes. you know, you know, women, black people, Africans, people with albinism. I was like, we are all in this thing, We're all on this cover. We felt that, girl. <laughs> we all felt that. Where did the we were there with happen? you. It happened in Cape Town. Oh, dope. And what do you think, you know, appearing on that cover did for your career? I think, you know, as I said, I think platforms of influence mm. make your voice really really loud yeah and i mean like right now um i was requested to be a panelist on the world economic forum mm. um in september and a lot of the times you wouldn't be able to get that opportunity because people don't even know you're there mm. but something like vogue gives you that much of an expansive voice for you to reach people who you would have never been able to reach under normal circumstances you're also one of the Miss south africa judges was that fun it must have been lots of fun. This was Vinny. Yes, you know what? It was fun uh, and it was educational. Mm. I learned a lot. I learned a lot from, you know, having different perspectives. But I think it was such a beautiful thing for us to be working together and have a woman come out to carry all of our stories because I think she was quite good at that. She, she, could, she could really speak about different stories mm. that carry South Africa. And me, can I just say, I really love her natural hair. She's a beautiful girl. And um, I was just like, you know what? 
go out there, girl, and shine. Yeah, so it was, she's a beautiful it was, girl. It was an amazing experience. Tando, hopa. Yes. Thank you so much for Thank checking you. out. Models, you guys always... Because you got fabulous bodies, you don't have to stress so much when you dress up. Ne? It's just take you or send Lily Buruku. And you, no, no, seriously, I know a few it's models. True, it's you true. know, about Linda Tapa. She was like, hey, ten galaka, send the coffee. Ah, you think? And they look beautiful. She rocks in their and jeans. Jean, t shirt, and that's it. Because you, prob- you probably get tired of wearing clothes every day, makeup, etc., etc. It's like a break for you, I guess. <laughs> you know what? I think that when you are, I believe that you need to be pretty comfortable, as in pretty and <laughs> comfortable you know <laughs> so yeah no, I know I, I'm, I'm an advocate for comfort sure advocate <laughs> Opa, in the studio Radio 2000 Monday afternoon